last week. Good morning to you all. If we've not met, I'm Nathan Brand. I'm the senior pastor here, and we're glad you're here to worship with us. And uh, kind of jumping on what Alex said earlier, I really want to encourage you to be here next week for the Minnesota Teen Challenge uh, service. It's going to be really encouraging, and uh, I want to encourage you to stick around afterward to to be at the meal, because not only will you be encouraged, but you'll get to encourage them, and it's, it's just a, a great connection. So I want to encourage you to be here. I also want to remind you that it is daylight savings, so we are going to spring forward, so you may need to set your clocks ahead, and, but uh, I want you to know that, that it will be uh, daylight savings that weekend. So, Well, yesterday, oh, I know, I need to dismiss children for Children's Church, that's ages 4 through 1st grade. And you can follow the Holty family out this north door. All right. So yesterday, some of us men had a chance to do some ice fishing yesterday. And it was great. It was great, great uh, contact time. And just uh, some great stuff was shared about faith and walking with, with Christ. And I just want to tell you proudly that I caught as many fish as everyone else which is a big zero. But that didn't matter. We weren't out there for the fish. We were out there to, to be together, to fellowship. But when we talk about fishing stories, right, we talk about kind of expanding the truth, don't we? The big whopper we brought in that was really this big extends itself to this big, right? Or that, that fish... That's of gargantuan size, you sure that's been there since the foundations of the earth. Who you wrestled with and had on your line and just, just about had it in and it slipped away. Or the time that you were out there on the lake and man, it just seemed like fish were jumping in your boat. You couldn't, you couldn't keep them off your line. I don't know why we tell these stories. Maybe it's to boast. Maybe it's to think that somehow if we had to, we could live off of fishing. Or maybe it's the fact that many of us have gone fishing and we've caught zero zilch and we need a little encouragement maybe to get ourselves back out there. But Paul talked about telling a story. And today we're going to tell a story that's a true story, that's not extending, ex expanding the truth. And it is a fishing story where some professional fishermen go out and they catch nothing. And they get some advice from a very unlikely source to go to a place and catch the catch of their lives. But not only do they catch the catch of their lives, but really their lives get caught to be turned around and repurposed to catch lives themselves. If you have your Bibles, please open them up to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read this fishing story that's found here in the first 11 verses of chapter of Luke. So here we go, Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. So one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were standing around him listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the shore. 
And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners on the other boat, in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw this, and he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And, they were, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore and left everything and followed him. Let me pray for us and then we'll get into God's word today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this, this story about how you have invaded history and you called some men to follow you. So Lord, would you give us eyes to see you for who you truly are today? And would you help us to hear your voice speaking to us today? And uh, help us to respond wholeheartedly. And Lord Jesus, it is in your name I pray these things. Amen. So if you've been with us through this Gospel of Luke, you know that this is the initial days of Jesus' public ministry, right? He's launching his ministry. And uh, last week, we saw him in the Capernaum area. And he's teaching with authority. And again, think about this. This is God in the flesh preaching the very Word of God. He's not just repeating what he's, you know, what the Scripture says. He's actually saying, no, this is what I have to say. Number two, he's not only saying it, they're not just words, it's authority and power. He's able to cast out a demon out of a man who's in the synagogue. And a little later on, he's able to heal, rebuke a fever that's in Simon's mother-in-law. The truth is, Jesus has come to set people free. So much so that the people of Capernaum, they want to they stick around. They want to hold on to him. They want to keep Jesus for themselves for their future and perhaps maybe for their own local notoriety. Think about this. Need healing? Come to the Capernaum Clinic. Destination Fish City. Anyone? Anyone? But Jesus has a greater purpose than just being the local healer. He's here to build the kingdom of God in the hearts and lives of men and women. And he says in chapter 4, verse 45, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he does just that. He takes this good news message of the kingdom of God to the towns all in this local area. But Jesus is never intent just to be a solo act. He is going to call others to come alongside him. Now, there's no other Savior than him. But he's going to invest in others to carry on this message and this, this, this mission and this message long after he's gone. And here's the truth. This really is grace. B. 
being imparted because the Savior not only redeems us for himself, but then he wonderfully repurposes us for his redemptive purposes and uses us for that. What a great privilege. So again, let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 5 here and set the scene. It says, One day Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret. And the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw the waters as two boats left there by the fishermen, and they're washing their nets. First of all, this region of Gennesaret. Now, realize um, this is the whole Sea of Galilee right here, okay? Got my nerd pointer, right? But the Gennesaret area is right up here where the town of Gennesaret, and this is a region here, and this is why Luke is trying to be very specific, and it's populated by, by Jews, okay? The Gentiles live primarily on this side of, of the lake. This is the Jewish area. So he's bringing this good news message to this Jewish area. That's what he's trying, that Luke is trying to point out. And he's proclaiming the word of God. This is God in the flesh proclaiming his word, not just reaffirming the old, old covenant, but proclaiming and really initiating a new covenant, a new kingdom, with men and women who are stuck in their sin and they need to hear and be set free. Jesus will say, in the other gospel, John five twenty four, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and is, will not be judged but crossed over from, from death to life. So he's proclaiming this life-giving message. But number three, it's crowded. It's crowded. It says that the people are crowding in on him in the Greek. They were you know, I mean, it's kind of like everyone wants to get close to him and touch him. It's kind of like Black Friday at, at Walmart. I mean, it's just kind of pushy, shovey, and it's a bit uncomfortable. But again, Jesus notices two boats here. Two boats, and the fishermen are washing their nets. Now, here's the deal. This might be the beginning of Jesus' day in preaching. It's the end of the day for these fishermen. They come in, they pull their boats up on the shore, and they're washing their nets from their night's work. Okay? So this is what's happening. And Jesus does what I think is probably counterintuitive to us. But he makes a request. He makes a request. Pick it up here at verse 3. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to pull out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people. Now maybe I, don't, I have too many you know, Midwestern sensibilities, but I didn't hear Jesus ask please. Right? He just got in the boat. He says, Peter, hey man, pull this thing out a little bit so I, I got some room and I can, I can preach. Now, these are not small boats, folks. Is there a picture there? There we go. This is not some little dinghy. I mean, it takes probably two or three guys to get this thing out here. So, I mean, he, they're trying to close up shop, and Jesus wants them to open it back up, right? This is the inconvenience that's going on here. So, you know, now, Peter and, and Jesus, or Simon, Peter, and Jesus, they already have a relationship. He, he healed his mother-in-law, so maybe he feels like he, he owes him one. But he's willing to inconvenience Simon to do this. 
And by the way, Jesus is not needy. But this is part of his plan to start include Peter in his redemptive work. And here's, here's what I want to point out. This is how Jesus starts engaging him. By saying, look, Peter, I got a need here. You can help me out here. I just want to point that out. It's kind of a subtle thing, but, you know, sometimes when we talk about sharing Christ with others, we always want to do it from the point of our strength or our service, right? And I'm so glad for our group that's down in, in Texas, you know, serving that community. But sometimes maybe the way we need to engage people is from our own need. Hey, can you help me out? Could I borrow that shovel? Could I have a cup of flour? Could, I, could you help me come move something? But it's an opportunity to, to engage somebody and say, you know what? Let me tell you about Jesus. And I'm not sure how those conversations would take place, but uh, here's, here's the truth, folks. If you're like me in my neighborhood, I haven't seen my neighbors for about the last two months. Right? We've been all dug, and we, the only time we see each other when we're out there shoveling our, our driveway or, or, or our sidewalks. But most of us are all kind of back, back in our house. Maybe it's an opportunity to re-engage folks. But think about this. If you're, you're trying to share Jesus, maybe, maybe you do it not from a, a standpoint of service. That's great. That's good. But maybe we do it sometimes from our point of need. And don't be afraid to ask help. But I don't, I don't want to belabor that point. I just want to keep going here. This is a great way for Jesus to incorporate Peter. Now, you know, this, uh, this crowd thing is, is great. And, and, and Peter has come alongside of Jesus. But then Jesus go ahead, goes ahead and kind of ups the ante and makes an even more inconvenient request. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. <laughs> Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Think about this. Again, Peter and the crew, are they're trying to close up shop. And again, Jesus wants to open it back up. So you know, not only did he inconvenience him by kind of pulling off, but now we're going to get out the stuff. We're going to get out the fishing nets that we just washed. We just got clean. And who's telling me to do this? It's not a fellow fisherman. It's carpenter rabbi, rabbi boy, right? What does Jesus know about fishing? Peter's been on this lake probably all his life. Go out into the deep water and throw out the nets? Really, Jesus? And he says, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But there is a trust factor here. Jesus has been developing relationships with these men. And there's something different about this young rabbi. He's seen God at work in him. And so he's willing to take a chance. He's willing to trust him, even though it goes against his own good 
common sense, his own natural instincts. He says, because you say so, master, I will let down the nets. By the word, that word in our Bibles that says master is a Greek word that, I mean, basically would be translated boss. Okay, you're the boss. You're in charge. I'll let you make the call here, Jesus. I will trust you. I'll let you be the captain of my ship, if you will. And because of this trust comes a revelation. Comes a revelation. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come to help them, and they came and filled both boats with, and they came and filled both boats so that, so full that they began to sink. Simon's not only surprised that they catch fish, but the number of fish that they caught. It's more than their equipment can handle. They had to signal their partners, James and John, come on over and help us out. And even so, when they fill they fill the boats. They, they barely make it back to shore. It's so full. This is probably, this is probably what Peter would catch in a whole month. Is how big this catch is, and wow. And there's a realization here. You know what, what Jesus said actually came true. He said, "Let down the nets, and we'll have a catch." We're going to have a catch here. From the most, uh, the most unlikely time and the most unlikely amount given by the most unlikely person. I think I missed a, I missed a slide behind me, but that's okay. There's, a, there's a, a net called a tremble net. This is, realize, fishing was done during the day. I mean, during the night, not during the day, because the net was so thick the fish could see it. But they went through Kind of a wider is a three-layer net. On the, on the outsides, on the right and the left, were kind of a wider mesh. And the fish would swim through the wider mesh, but get caught and ensnared in the finer mesh. But this is, I mean, this is, Jesus is doing everything wrong as far as fishing is concerned. And if they catch the greatest amount of fish that Peter had ever caught... Jesus, whether he commanded the fish to come into the net or he just knew where to find them, (laughs) Peter's realizing (laughs) God is at work in this man. He's like no one else. And I will say this, to Peter and his companions' credit, they don't say, hey, Jesus, come back tomorrow. We'll do this again. They don't try to make him their fish-finding genie, right? But there is, again, a realization that Jesus is, is different. And there's a realization that maybe this man is a holy man. A realization, if you will. Verse 8. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. 
Again, this is an odd-dropping thing. It's like, I've seen Jesus cast out demons. I've seen him heal my mother-in-law. And now I've seen him fill my nets beyond my capacity. I'm in the presence of true greatness and true holiness, if you will. And whether they realize it or not, Jesus is indeed God in the flesh right before them. And now Simon has become all too aware of his own unholiness and his own unrighteousness. And I don't think Peter was any different than anyone around him. I don't think he was like this terrible sinner per se. I think he just became very, very cognizant of of his sin in his own life. It really reminds me of the call that God gives Isaiah in chapter 6. A revelation, if you will. God shows him himself high and lifted up in the temple. And he hears the cherubim saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. And his response is, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Folks, it's the bad news of the gospel. The bad news of the gospel that in light of God's holiness and righteousness, we don't measure up. We got nothing. We got nothing to offer a holy God. Just our own sin and our own brokenness. <laughs> it, is a, it is a very humbling moment and a moment where you realize your need But Jesus is on a mission of redemption, not condemnation. Praise God. And so he gives reassurance. And just very quickly, in the second half of this verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It doesn't explain yet why he shouldn't fear. But it's his very presence here. And trust in what Jesus has come to do in the future. You see, just as Isaiah had a cherub take a live coal and touch it to his lips, and him saying, your sin is atoned for. It wasn't the searing flesh that atoned for Isaiah's sin. It will ultimately be what Jesus is going to do in giving himself. And even so, he's saying, don't be afraid. I've got this covered. I've got you covered, Peter. I've got you covered. And I'm here to pay a debt you can't. As Mark 10, 45 would say, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter doesn't need to be waylaid by his sin, his failure. The Savior has come, not only to save him, but to last of all, repurpose him. To repurpose him. From now on, you will fish for men. From now on, you will fish for men. And that is a beautiful thing, again, about our Lord. Not only does he come and deal with the brokenness of our sin, he says, Come, I'm going to give you a new nature and give you a new purpose. And turn you around and 
lets you be used for my redemptive purposes. What an amazing thought. What an amazing privilege. And it was true in Peter's lives. Peter's life. Peter, you just got the ultimate catch in your life. And it left you wanting. It left you wanting. I'm calling you to something much bigger, much greater, much more eternal. To come and be my disciple. Come and be my witness. Come and be my ambassador. Come and be my fisher of men, if you will. And by the way, that word, the verb there, to fish for men, it actually means catcher. It means to catch alive. Not dead, but to catch alive so that you might impart life. And here's the thing, folks. If you put your faith in Jesus, he's not just redeemed you just to send you to heaven. He's redeemed you because he wants to repurpose you for his purposes to impart life to others, to be his witness, to be his ambassador, to be his disciple maker. That's the beautiful thing about what he has done. But here's one thing I want you to, to point out, the last part of this, this uh, story, verse 11. Notice they leave everything, verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything. How could they do that? I mean, I know Peter had a family, right? And a business. Well, maybe, maybe it was just this whole episode of, of Jesus showing them, look, I can, I can show you where to fish. And I can take care of your family. In fact, I don't know. I mean, it was a huge catch. Maybe that was kind of some seed money to launch them on, onto the road. I'm not sure. But he could be trusted. I'm calling you, and I can provide for you. And Jesus is worth leaving everything to follow. Will we trust him if he calls? Will we say, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do it, even though it doesn't make sense? And ultimately, will we value him in such a way that he's worth leaving all, giving all, sacrificing all to follow him? And folks, I don't think that necessarily means that we need to sell everything and go hit the road. But it might mean that for some of us, if Jesus is calling. But he's saying, I'll meet you there. Even out in the deep where you don't even think the fish are. I'll meet you there. To live, ultimately, Jesus is saying, look, I'm calling you to live for me instead of living for you. Because I'm sure Peter's dream was just one day to have what happened happen. To catch that big load of fish, to make a lot of money so that he could be comfortable. And he got it, and he realized that it left him wanting. No, he's calling us to himself that we might have life in him and then go impart that life to others. In fact, Jesus will say in the same gospel, Luke 14, 33, in the same way if those of you who do not give up everything 
you have not, you, excuse me, you give up everything. You have not, cannot, you have, oh, I can't read. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. You see, ultimately, Jesus is again saying, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Come to me for that, Peter. Come to me for that, James. Come to me for that, John. Paul, Jesse, Bob, Josh, Kelly, Alex, come to me. That's where life is. This is a fish story, but it's not expanding expanding the truth. But Jesus is calling us to trust him, to count everything lost to following him, and know that we have life in him. Let me pray for us, and then we'll continue in this worship service. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this story. It's not just a story. It's how you invaded history and called some men to yourself. And we are the heirs of this legacy to come and follow you. To know that you are worth trusting even when it doesn't make sense. You can provide. We don't know how. And you're worth leaving everything to follow. So give us grace to hear that call. A call, Lord, to follow the life you've given us and a call to impart that life to others in telling your gospel story. Would you give us grace to do that? And now, Lord, as we head into a time where we remember that you gave your all for us in order that we might be yours, in order that we might have your life, would you turn our hearts toward you and make us thoughtful about what you accomplished on the cross in giving yourself for us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.